middle of the res road we're your hosts morgan ricky and Alyssa. we're here to share the success stories of people who took the opportunity to join the trades and how these opportunities can be achieved by anyone looking for success our work may be seasonal but our stories don't have to be become your own success story hey everybody welcome back to middle of the res road today we have a very special guest we have josh here today and I will let Josh explain what he does for a living and how he got there. But first, before we get into that, uh, we'll swing it over to Ricky and he will tell us our trivia question for the week. Yeah. So just to kind of give you guys like a little hint of what this episode is going to be about. Um, it's going to be a union episode where we interview somebody from a, a local union here in Minnesota. Um but our trivia question is, what is the first union established in America? And honestly, this one was actually quite interesting to me. So save your guesses for the end, and then I will tell you. And I'm going to swing it back over to you for the <laughs> events that you have. Uh, for events, we have the fashion show. At Black Bear Casino. Um, I wonder if they'll have like the vendors and stuff that you can buy some of the. I would, I would think that they would. When we went to Bear Grease, uh, they did have vendors lined up outside the venue, so you could buy their work and support one another. Yeah, that'd be cool. I want one of those beaded hats. I don't know why. I want to beat it hat too. So, <laughs> um, but that is on November eighteenth, and I will post all of the all the details on our Facebook page. All right. Well, Josh, thank you so much for coming down and letting us interview you. Ask some questions about what you do. It's good to be here. Thank you. So, I guess we'll just start with. Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Got kids? Anything like that? I am originally from Pine City. Um, I was born and raised down there. Um, and I do have, uh, I've been married 16 years to my beautiful wife, Crystal. And I got two kids, uh, eight and 10, uh, Finley and Aubrey. Oh, nice. So we currently live up in the Two Harbors area. Oh, okay. Dang, that was quite a drive then to come well, down to Little Cloquet. Yeah, well... We, uh, we travel a lot in this industry, so that's that's no big deal. And we have, uh, the cool thing is we have um, members that we can visit on projects all over the place, so it's pretty neat. Cool. How far how far do you guys usually, like, travel, or, like, how, does, how far does your industry go out? So within Local 49, mm -hmm. we cover Minnesota, North, and South Dakota. Um, we have about 35 business agents that cover these three states. Um each, uh, like within our local, we have guys that represent uh, public sector, which is like um, like roads and different shops like uh, Ziegler or McCoy, uh, oh, like John okay. Deere equipment, mm -hmm. um, and a lot of different things that uh, different facets of industries. Um, 
Uh, we have guys that are highway heavy, which are like uh, roads and uh, bridges and sewer and water and that kind of thing, as well as our building and trades that we rep. That's uh, like all the stuff that you see that's vertical building, um, like the project that's going on at the casino there right off the Carlton exit. Um, oh. And we have pipeline and we have um, distribution pipeline as well. So there's all kinds of different things that we represent. Um, we also have guys and gals that work out on the on the lakes, uh, Great Lakes Floating Agreement. So there's just all kinds of different uh, avenues that we have um, for that contractors work and guys and gals work under for that, um, you know, to cover this, all this work. Is it all um, heavy equipment operators? Is that for what the, you guys are the, primarily are? Primarily, yep. Okay. Yep. Um, we have some stuff like we run pumps and different things. So pretty much it's it's equipment oriented. So, okay. Um, you know, the people always talk about uh, unions and we are a, a labor union in that we are the labor that drives the equipment. So um, not to be confused with like the laborers, but um, they, they do all the things that are labor intensive. Our stuff is typically... Uh, equipment or, you know, sometimes like concrete pumps are, um, you know, they're mobile, but as well as we, they, that's more operating than it is driving. So we cover those, that kind of stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. So what is your, what is your job title? Uh, my job title is a business agent. Um, we talk to uh, the contractors as well as our as their employees, which uh, a lot of times we will dispatch. Um, so if our guys get and gals get laid off from a contractor, they can get on the outer work list and then we can dispatch them. Um, we also negotiate contracts for um, health and welfare and pension as well as working conditions, uh, length of day, um, the scope of the work, that type of thing. And then um, we always are building relationships to try to um, find more work for contractors, which in turn gives uh, more work to our our members so so is is your is your title the same as like a union rep yep okay yep i wasn't sure if those are two different things or if they were the same yep and there's different like i say there's different contracts that we work Mm -hmm. under and so we have a um, we're blessed with a large enough um, membership where we have uh, different agents that actually rep different areas. Um, I cover uh, pipeline uh, predominantly, and then I also work with our business agent out of Duluth here, Dan Gilbert. He is over the Duluth area, uh, covers highway heavy and um, building and trades. And so I work with him a day or two a week and um, get to rep that stuff as well. I've, I've worked under all three contracts, both, or I should say, all three uh, highway heavy building and trades and pipeline. So the last... 15 years or so that I was in local 49. That's pretty much all I did was work pipeline. Wow. That's Good. what I was going to ask is how long you were. So 15 years. <laughs> so in pipeline. Yep. So oh, I, okay. I actually got in to the union in 1999. Um, when I was 18 years old and, uh, been, been pushing ahead ever since. So it's been, been a great career. So where did you start at 18? So when I was 18, I started with a company called Park Construction, uh, working in the airport down in the Twin Cities. Okay. Yeah, I always hear, like, how hard it is to get into the union. So I was going to ask you, is it is that true? Is there any truth to... So there was a time when it was very difficult. Um, now there are a lot of tools to help people, even when, while they're still in school, 
to give them a, uh, a head start to getting in, uh, whether no matter which um, union you want to get into. Um, the one I can speak of, of ours, we actually have an OE Pathways program that can help with um, credits while you're still in school to give you a heads up or kind of a leg up ahead on the apprenticeship program that'll kind of transition once you, if you signed up as an apprentice, it would uh, kind of fast track you to getting in as an apprentice. Um, again, it's not a guarantee, but if you have a little bit of natural ability on top of the smarts that kind of go along with what you need to be an operating engineer, um, it's a great path. Um, I know a lot of people personally that are taking advantage of this program and are really pumped to fill out their apprenticeship paperwork and uh, get going with uh, our coordinator. Um, we actually have uh, Steve Tui is our apprenticeship coordinator down at their training center. Mm -hmm. And then uh, just recently there was a, a navigation um, consultant that was hired, Keithra, and she, um, between the two of those guys, they're, they're, they're really doing good things, you know, as far as helping a lot of young people um, not only look towards apprenticeship, but mm -hmm. once they get into the apprenticeship, connecting them with the contractor, making sure this, they have the skills they have and the credentials, um, certifications that they, that they need to not only get on the job that they need to get onto, but also perform safely and, and efficiently what they need to do for their task. Oh, okay. So there's been, you've had a good amount of number of kids from high schools all over wanting to yes, get into the local 49. Yep, absolutely. And it's, it's really nice that this is being looked at. When I was growing up in school, everybody that I rode a bus on, or rode, rode on the bus with, had a, a dairy farm that had 40 head of cattle. I grew up in a logging family. So everybody knew how to run a tractor or a skid steer, <laughs> and you don't see that anymore. It's very seldom. So there's times that we have um, events. Uh, one of them is Day of the Dozer that we do down in the cities. There's there's different events where, where guys, gals, kids can come down and operate this equipment, um, and, and people can take tours of our training center and kind of look around and see what interests them. Do you want to run a bulldozer? Do you want to run a backhoe? Do you want to run a blade? Do you want to run a crane? And we got a ton of cranes that are at our facility all year round, and people can go and look at that and go, well, what what do I want my path to be? And uh, when they look at that and then they realize what the um, what the wage package can be and what the benefits package can be, they're like, holy smokes, this is very interesting. I want to know more. Guys, <laughs> um, we were at Construct, what was it, Construct Tomorrow? Yeah. Yep. yep. And... Um, we seen that local 49 had a display where you could, we had simulators. Yeah. Simulator, yeah. It was like a giant computer screen and you had the joysticks and I was like, that's all it takes to run, <laughs> to run something as big as an excavator or just two little joysticks. It's, yep. It's, crazy. it's, it's interesting though. Kind of like a, like a surgeon, you know, anybody can pick up a knife, but it's what skill is behind that. Right. And the cool thing is, is we get to say, Hey, you know, even people that come in as apprentices, you can get them on those simulators and you can show them, hey, here's where the key is. Here's the the foot pedals to run the tracks. Here's how the boom goes up and down. The stick goes in and out. Here's how you curl a bucket. And then, you know, they load a truck. Mm -hmm. But loading a truck is one thing, you know, that you can do with a backhoe. There is just so many different things you can do with a backhoe. Like with all types of pieces of equipment, um, you know, I I thought, I mean, I grew up around equipment my entire life. And when I got in the union at 18, I was surprised 
the differences, the the skill level that that existed within our field, and it took me five six years of pretty pretty uh, extreme dedication to get to the level that the contractor wanted me to be at. And I'd been running equipment my whole life. Now there's tools and there's trainers now that didn't exist back then. So it's a really unique time to want to get in or to even be a 49er because there's just so many things to help you thrive as as a as an operating engineer. So is the is the demand pretty high for something like this? It is. Yes. Yep. Um, we're always uh, looking for new uh, people that are interested to get into this. That's why we're always talking to not only the schools. We also talk to the tarot programs to see who they have coming in because not only these contractors need people that are on the reservation that can operate this equipment also off the reservation. And we have some really good native contractors that, that do this work that need these folks on and off the reservation. And it's just, it's a really cool opportunity for these, these guys and gals to be able to get trained and have a career that you could do your whole life. And when you're done, you know what, depending on their, their, um, what they want to do somewhere between 55 and 65, they can retire with a great pension. So it's a, it's a really neat way to look to the future and be able to take care of your family long-term. Hmm. So I guess my question would be, what, what are the benefits? You know, I mean, so every, every contract is a little bit different as far as the uh, packages are concerned. So I'm not going to dive too deep into the rates, but there we have fantastic health and welfare insurance. So, I mean, the coverage that we have um, is fantastic. Um, basically, the way our plan lays out is um, you're, you're 80-20 up until a certain point, and then at that point, it's 100% coverage, and it's very, very reasonable. Um, there's nothing out of pocket so that while you're working every hour, you're getting dollars contributed from the contractor into a fund. So it's nothing out of pocket for the member. Like a credit almost? Um, it's a dollar amount. Oh, so okay. depending on the contract you're working under, um, it's it's an X amount of dollar amount f- per hour for the pension and the health and welfare. So it's nothing out of pocket to the member. Um, the only out of pocket would be the 80-20 up until that certain dollar amount. Mm, okay. So very, very affordable. Um, people that get this insurance go, holy smokes, that is <laughs> really amazing. It's actually a really good organizing um, te- uh, technique as well because a lot of these contractors that come and partner with us go, wow, we've been we've been paying way more for way less insurance. So um, what we have is truly fantastic. And then the, the pension is the same way. Um, right around 10, 50 an hour goes in every hour that that member works into the pension plan. And so that pension is vested after five years. And no matter where that member goes, as long as uh, if they wanted to travel the country, as long as that local contributes to the CPF, um, their pension, they can they can travel different locals if they want, do different things. We got guys that travel the country for pipeline, and uh, most of their most everybody's uh, pension goes to the CPF. And when you go to retire, it pulls it from all the different locals. It's all attached to your social security number. Let's say you work for five or six years and then you take a withdrawal and you go pump gas for five years and then you go, Hey, I decided I want to get back in again. You can, um, you know, do the paperwork and get back in that money all is still there. But once you hit five years, you are vested. So that is, that's, then you're good to go. So that's nice. Yeah. 
Yep, and that's five years anywhere within within that person's life. So even if you're wow. working for a different union too? So it's union specific. So okay. our stuff mm-hmm. is connected to OE, but if you wanted to be a traveling operating engineer yeah. across our country, um, and it, actually there has been cases and it's not the norm but where people have worked in other countries and still have gotten paid their package here in the u.s oh cool so that's cool <laughs> it's you, would, you wouldn't think it's that. rare but it yeah. happens you know um right now as a matter of fact we have a project that's going on up in canada for a pipeline company mm. and those funds are getting called back into the u.s and their fringes and everything are coming across the the country line which is very rare there has to be a special deal in between the two at international unions. So, oh, okay. I guess I never thought about. I always, I always forget Canada is its own country, and because it's right there. Right. So I'm like, it's like your neighbor. Yeah, my neighbor. <laughs> it's like your neighbor with more more gravy on the French fries. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of projects, actually, um, are you guys doing the? That highway project that's going from Texas up to up to Canada through the Great Plains. Uh, I don't even actually. I don't. I don't know if it's still proposed or if it's been approved yet. So I think I did read about that, yeah. but um, I would imagine I have not seen how the PLA looks on that or what that contract looks like. But I would have to imagine that we would be doing a portion of that. Um, as far as I know, it hasn't started yet. If yeah. I, because I know it goes through like North and South Dakota too. Yep. Yep. So, yep. Typically, um, we have really good relationships with um, with the legislature, you know, at at that level. So that's kind of where everything gets taken care of, as far as um, you know, how the project is going to lay out, what the PLA looks like, and what's required for the rates, which kind of you know decides as to what these contractors have to pay their folks, and then. Um, that's what really helps us get these projects. So, so I could kind of like to go back to um, yourself as a union rep or a business agent. Is yep. that what you call that? Um, business agent. Yep. Okay. So, what does a day look like for you? Like taking care of all of your business and all of the people that are. That's a great question. I'll answer it short first. So we put, (laughs) we put a calendar together and um, we have an idea what we want to do for the day. Mm -hmm. And then usually about eight, nine o'clock in the morning, we crumple that up and we throw it in the trash (laughs) and we go a different direction because things come at you that you can't predict. Yeah. But um, so typically like if I, if I'm going to lay a day out for myself, I usually have a few projects that I want to stop and look at. I have a couple of contractors that I want to stop and see. Um, I usually have a couple of meetings that I set up um, that are via Zoom or Teams mm-hmm. and um, kind of leave myself a couple hours blocked off to take care of phone calls because there are things that the membership sometimes needs or the contractors need um, dispatches. That's what I was doing out in your parking lot before I came in here, <laughs> dispatching a couple of members to projects that uh, they need operators for. So. That's um that's the easier the short version of what we do, but there are things going on at a lot of different levels within our local. I mean, we have a lot of uh, administrative staff that that takes care of a lot of things that um you know. So we came out of the field, we came from running backhoes and bulldozers, and now here we are representing uh, different members that are running bulldozers and 
backhoes and blades and cranes, and we don't necessarily have the um, preferred background that you would think for like a somebody in a professional setting. So our local does a really good job of training us so that we can take the best care of the membership. Um, some people it came a little more natural to, some people not as much, but it takes a year or two to get really get your feet under under yourself so that you're a really good rep. And like with anything, whether you're an operating engineer or whether you're doing podcasts, the longer you do it, the better you get. Yeah. And you realize that there's things that, man, if I would have only done this a little bit differently. And so you, you hone your skills as time goes on because we all want it. We take pride in what we do. We want to be the best at what we do. You know, I, I kind of think of everything that I do as how would I want it done for me. And yeah. so when I look at a member, whether they're an apprentice looking to get in or a journeyman that has an issue, how would I want that? If I, if I was that person, how would I want it done for me? And that's how I try to take each task on. My, my favorite thing to do is I think back when I started in the union when I was 18 years old, and you, you're kind of like a, a fish that was in a pond your whole life, and now you're dumped into the ocean. And it's like, holy smokes, you're seeing things you've never seen before and experiencing things you've never, never ever done or seen. And so I try to help each individual be as best prepared as they possibly can for that environment. Um, a lot of guys back in the day thought it was kind of funny to watch somebody struggle. And this is something we actually share with our members. No matter if it's a guy or a gal or, or culturally, no matter if they're your culture or somebody else's culture, don't let anybody fail because if if we let them fail, in, in essence, we're not succeeding. I mean, we, we're uh, power in numbers, and the stronger we are, the more educated we are, the, the more um, background and knowledge that we have. Um, granted, nobody... Nobody was born knowing how to do what we do. Right. Yeah. They, everybody learned. Everybody made their first backhoe pass. Everybody grabbed their first bucket of dirt out of the ground. So help them be as effective as they can. See if we can't close the gap or the, make the learning curve shorter so that, you know, we can be better and stronger. Yeah, and helping one, one another is, you know, just going to help out the whole team. Exactly. Yep. So that's, that's my favorite part of this is trying to look at, you know, you look on a job and you see somebody that maybe needs a little bit of shoring up. Mm -hmm. That's not our, our job necessarily do to do on site. That's really, you know, to try and get them to the training center. But we may know of a veteran uh, operator that's on that site and you may go and say, Hey, I can see so-and-so over here struggling with this or that. Why don't you see if you can go help them out a little bit or recommend, Hey, if, if, um, you know, you're doing really good here, you could use a little bit of work on this. Why don't you get to the training center and, and maybe take that class? So that that's the neat thing to be able to kind of connect the dots and try to get everything together so it, it, that, the, that everything runs smooth. So when they're on the job site and say they're running a backhoe and they're like, I want to learn how to run an excavator now. Now they can just run down to the training session or training and just do the class? So the majority of our classes, and I, um, if I get this wrong, Jeff, I'm sorry, um, I think we we trained around 8,000 different individuals slash classes last year. So not, not classes, but 8,000 people took different oh. classes. So there's some people that probably took five or six classes. So kind of factor that into there. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, so in the wintertime from the end of deer season, until somewhere in April or May, 
that's when the thrust of our training is. Now this time of year, before actually right now is during deer season, so we don't uh, we don't outdoor train there because we want to be good neighbors. So yeah. the part of the ordinance was when we built the training center down there is we didn't um, we didn't do any training during deer season. So at the week after that is when it really gets kicked off, and we'll have I want to say we were around seventy five pieces of equipment running every day down there last year. Um, so you have to like the first of the month you can register for any class you want as a member. And it's first come, first serve. Once the classes are booked, there's a waiting list. If somebody backs out of a class, you know, they come on off that list and go, you know, they can kind of take that first spot, first come, first serve. And, um, yeah, we got backhole level one, two, and three. Dozer level one, two, and three. We got uh, GPS training on that backhole. We got GPS on dozer, GPS on blade, um, on and on, right up to cranes. You can, if you show up there with your permit, you can get a class A in one week down there if uh if if you apply yourself um every once in a while somebody has another carryover day into the next week but typically you know within five days you get a class a so that's, that's pretty fast yep now wouldn't say you're a veteran <laughs> truck driver at that point but yeah you you have the tools and and you're safe enough to go out and drive a truck um again there's, there's nothing makes up for seat time so the more seat time you get the better you know you're going to get better as time yep. goes on so and you said the training uh, facility is in the Twin Cities? Uh, it is in Hinckley, Minnesota. Oh, yep. okay. And again, that how that training center is funded is our contractors contribute um, a certain amount per hour. So it doesn't the member doesn't pay for that. That is a partnership that we have with the contractors. So they, they actually uh, pay for that, um, a, a large portion of that. So, and we actually... Um, we have meetings from time to time, the contractors and the union, and we discuss, you know, the future for the training center and what the needs are of the of the contractors and the work coming up to make sure that we have the proper training so that everybody is trained up the way they need to be to for the future projects. So That's cool. Yeah. We also, uh, the, the international training center and pipeline training is actually done down in Crosby, Texas. That is another large facility that um, if a member has worked um, pipeline or they want to do something through the NTF, they can apply for a a class down there. If you're approved, which generally everybody gets approved, um, you are flown down there at no expense to yourself. You are fed three meals a day. Um, You can sign up for whatever class you want to take. A lot of our guys that are on the pipeline take classes for side boom, ditch for digging right now moving forward we have a lot of maintenance work that's going to happen here in minnesota north and south dakota so that's mainly what we kind of try and get our our members to go to for pipeline because there's not a lot of like line three just came through but that's over yep that usually a project like that happens typically once a year um there are some carbon capture projects that are going on in throughout the country and so we're also trying to get our membership make sure they're tuned up and on tap for that so that when that comes, we'll, we can man that work as well. What's the uh, carbon capture thing? So there is some projects that are going on throughout the country. Um, one that I believe is going to be starting next year. That's about 2,000 miles of pipe that's going to run through five states. Um, and so that is what they're doing is they're piping the ethanol from these corn plants, or excuse me, the, uh, the, the carbon from the ethanol plants oh, okay. uh, to a reserve over in North Dakota. So that 
like reduces CO2 emissions? Correct. Oh, yep. okay. So there's a tax credit for those ethanol plants. That's cool. Yep. So will it end in North Dakota? Would it go through Minnesota so, by chance? Or? So there is a little bit that's coming out of Minnesota, but the main okay. line is going to run. That stuff is just basically going over into North Dakota. And then there's a, a reservoir that they're going to sequester it into. Um, and then that just gets stored there. Wow. Until they figure out how to make diamonds out of it or something. <laughs> <laughs> how does somebody get their foot in the door? Like where, what steps should somebody take if they want to join the 49ers? That's a great question. And how I answer this is if you were my sister or my brother, I would tell you to try and get into classes through uh, OE pathways as early as uh, 10th grade. And there you can, I think you can take up to three electives per year, but it's a total of six. I think she's working on, uh, Jenny and her team are working on getting more. And so once you get those taken care of, um, that kind of gives you a kickstart into the apprenticeship program. Now you still have to apply, but it's kind of like a head start, you know, while you're still in school. And um, then you, you can apply. You can actually go right on to our training website on the Local 49, and you can click the Apprenticeship tab. There's actually a test. You could click it up on your phone right now and take the test and apply. And then um, our apprenticeship um, director and coordinator would get a hold of you, and there's a class that goes on. I believe it's once a month. And um, you'd be invited to that as long as you pass the test. And, um, and it goes from there. Um, there's a... <clears throat> there's a little portion after you pass the test where they give you a list with contractors and then you get a hold of the contractors after you go through the first round of training through the apprenticeship and um, they'll connect you with a contractor. You need to actually get a hold of them and then once you get a letter, then you can move forward as a as an apprentice. So what about what about people who haven't taken that class or or like someone who is 40 years old and was like, I think this is what I want to do. So if, they, if they've if they never done um, heavy equipment or don't mm-hmm. have any background ever, yep. they can still go online and do that same thing and fill that out. Um, and then they'll get an email and a phone call and say, hey, here's our next class. And, okay. you know, it's based off communication. Make sure they stay communicated with their training center. They can come to that class and, and basically go through the same steps. How much is the class? Um, the class is free. Oh, okay. Yep. So there's not really a whole lot that goes on until you have a sponsorship through your contractor. There's a test that you take, but it's it's pretty minimal until you get a sponsorship. Once you get a sponsorship, then things move forward, and that's where Steve and Akitha really play a key role in connecting those dots. So, okay. So there's X amount, you know, through this apprenticeship, there's X amount of hours that you have to work, as well as classroom uh, classes, you know, education that you need to take so that. Um, you know, by the time they get to the back side of their apprenticeship, they get through um, that they are ready to go, you know, as a journeyman. And then that's all earn as you learn? Correct. Right? Correct. Thank you. That's a great terminology. <laughs> that's what we use that all the time. So, yeah, it's it's a great, you know, a lot of people go through trade schools, which are great. Mm-hmm. Some people go to college, which is great. Um, my um, My wife, for instance, she went to architecture school for two years got done and didn't apply it. Um, so that's why I say when somebody, you know, look at all the different facets. There's a lot of different industries in in this type of work that we do. Um, explore them all. Make sure you get the one that you want because there's a lot of options out there. Even within operating engineers, 
there's various amount of contracts and that's what we like to have those conversations one-on-one with a member and kind of get their background and see what their interests are because there's so many different ways you can go. Um, you know, in my 23 years, I, I can't, I, I, I would have never guessed I would have done as many different types of work with the same type of equipment as I've done in this amount of time. So that's the neat thing is be able to pass that yeah. along. Yeah. So you were a operator. Yep. Correct. Yep. I still am. Still an operating okay. engineer. I didn't. I didn't know if you were just a business agent and you were done with that or. Um. Nope. What you did. Nope. So we're uh, <laughs> quote unquote at will employees. Um. We are okay. at any time we could we could be asked to go back to the field. Oh. So that's why I say every day is a little different. Yeah. We keep our head down, <laughs> do our job. Um. Try to try to look at building relationships and in um. Some people this is a great fit for. Um, I I view this as an honor to represent the membership and to represent our local. Um, some people it's it's not a great fit for, and that's that's the thing is it's not like you can't ever go back to the field if you mm-hmm. so choose. There's also um, you know as people move up, some people bounce around and, and go to different contractors year to year. Some people stay with the same contractor for 35 years. I've talked to members that have worked 75,000 hours for the same contractor and they start and they end with that same contractor. But, um, you know, if, if you do get laid off throughout the season, you can get on the auto work list and then we'll dispatch you to various jobs, depending on the equipment that you have and the contracts that you want to work under. You can even, uh, decide which area you want to work under. Sometimes guys call and they say, Hey, I want to be on all lists. In other words, they could be dispatched anywhere in Minnesota, North or South Dakota, or some guys say, hey, I just want to be on the Duluth list or I just be, want to be on the Virginia list or just be on the Bagley list. So depending on what you want to do, there's just there's so many options that I actually had a guy ask me that here a couple of weeks ago. He goes, well, I just I wish I had more options. And I said, how big a lunch did you pack? And he goes, what do you mean? <laughs> I said, because if you got time, I, I can share – <laughs> more options than you probably want to know about. So it's um, if uh, if anybody is thinking about becoming a 49er, all you got to do is type on local49.org or local49 find my agent. Look in your area. There's a picture of us in a suit, which we don't wear very often, but <laughs> they do pretty good about dressing us up. And um, look at who you want to talk to and, and give them a phone call. Um, we're uh, we're all more than willing to chat with you about what what the potential opportunities are for the future as far as and that was something else you guys asked about our future mm-hmm. um with the new bonding bill for for transportation the next 10 years look to be extremely solid for work um every once in a while we'll get a member that says hey you know man i didn't have a a real big hour year or something and um you come to find out well let's get you to the training center and, and fix that you know there's always a solution to the problem but um usually it's it's a very small fix to get somebody onto the path that they need to go to so it's it's really nice to be when when people reach out to you to say hey i have this this uh this thing that i think we need to get fixed and you're able to help them with that small issue you know and when they realize that it's just a tiny tiny thing that they have Mm -hmm. to do and then all of a sudden wow we're successful (laughs) so yeah so it's so it's that easy just have to go on the website and just apply just get started yep and there's a lot of jobs that are, that are, um, you need a lot of skill set. Like when you look at these tower cranes, when you drive through Duluth, or you look at the big lattice boom crawler yeah. cranes, there's some of those have a lot of skill. 
and some people are really intimidated by that. But how those guys get to those jobs is typically when you see a guy in a tower crane or a lattice boom crawler crane, typically, and, and uh, somebody's probably going to throw something at me for saying this, I'm going to say 10 years typically to get to one of those. You usually start in a lot smaller crane. Um, you know, USG right across the way here from where we're sitting, there's a lot of little Broderson uh, carry deck cranes, and that's usually where people start out. So when they see big equipment, don't be scared because a lot of our equipment is small. So <laughs> Yeah, those, we, those cranes are scary. Well, they can be, but, again, those guys didn't just start out there. Yeah. So I'm terrified of heights, so you're never going <laughs> to. Hey, I got no problem with heights as long as I got one foot on the ground. <laughs> The funny thing about those lattice boom crawlers is uh, you're not very high off the ground. You're sitting in a seat, maybe ten feet off the ground. But uh, one of those, uh, one of those tower cranes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the tower cranes. I see like videos on the internet of people operating them, and like, yep. nope, never. Yeah. Well, there's there's usually something that fits most everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, if if there's a different path you want to take, it, that's why the conversation is great. You know, because there's a uh, a lot, of, a lot of different options. That's really cool. I like that there's so many options that somebody can choose from, and if that isn't the right fit for somebody, then they can try something else. Yeah. I like that. And, and if, if this path isn't the way for them, um, we, can, we can help them towards a path that, that is right for them. There's a, there's a lot of different uh, crafts within Union, not that, uh, you know, we have a lot of brothers and sisters that are, you know, laborers, teamsters, welders, a lot of, lot of different crafts out there that do different things. So and some people are surprised to know that. Yeah, that's awesome. How many unions are there? Oh, of course you're going to ask me a question <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm sure there's just there, so I, many. Hundreds and okay. hundreds. Yeah. yeah. I just I didn't know. That was a good. That's Maybe a good question. Know. I'll uh, I'll get back to you on <laughs> okay. that one. Well, Josh, thank you so much for coming down and answering a couple questions about the local Forty ers and showing us how easy it is to get into the union and find a nice paying job. It's great to be here. Thank you for your time. So, if anybody is looking again, the website is local49.org correct yep yep so if you want to go through the apprenticeship go on to local 49 training and yep. that should pop right up again our training site is over in hinkley minnesota yeah so, which isn't a far drive either from right. here yep yeah so make sure you check it check it out if you're looking for a career change all right ricky let's get back to the trivia question all right so the trivia <laughs> question sponsored by talon metals is what was the first union established in America? What's your guess? Like ever. Ever. What year? 1885. 85. Josh, you're on your phone, so I know you're looking it up. <laughs> Cheating. <laughs> uh, 19... Excuse me, I did that the first time you asked me too. 1866 in Baltimore, Maryland, um, and the reason that they formed it was to create a eight-hour workday. That is correct. Yep, that's uh, that's what we still do today. We try to create for our membership better working conditions and better benefits so that they can have a great life with uh, with their families. 
Yeah, not a lot of people realize that our work schedule is because of the unions. Correct. 100, 100, 120 years ago. Correct. Yep, 100 years ago, people used to work seven days a week and... 16-hour days. Yep. Yeah. A lot of of people sweat and blood for some of the things that we have today. And if you're ever bored, just look up labor history. It's it's astounding, (laughs) the different things that people have lived through. Yeah, I'm very grateful for where we're at today. Yes, yep. All right, well, thank you again, Josh, for coming down. And we will see you guys next week. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Bye